welcome to Do Your Thing. In this podcast, I speak to fabulous people about their passions and side hustles. Each week, we discover how they got started, why they love what they do, and share some tips and tricks for anyone hoping to do their thing in the world. everyone and welcome back to Do Your Thing. In today's episode I'm speaking to Alyssa Caroline. She is the founder and editor of A Room of One's Own, a global feminist creative platform dedicated to publishing content written by women for women. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Alyssa, how's your week been? Oh, it's been really great. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, this is like the highlight of my week. Oh, it's Um, a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you. But yeah, it's been a great week. Just a lot of working and reading and doing stuff for the blog. So it's it's been a pretty great week. A lot of hugging my cats. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) I, I joke all the time that every time someone messages to ask to contribute to the publication, I a real girl screams and hugs her cats, and I think my cats are getting very tired of the blog success. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been? Have you been getting a lot of blog ideas whilst you've been off then? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been really, really good. Um, one thing I'm loving is a couple of things. I'm loving coming up with prompts, and people are really responding to that. But a lot of our contributors are such self-starters. Like they'll just message out of the blue with, hey, I have a, I want to talk about this. And it's like, yeah, go for it. So it's that's really great. I feel like creativity is kind of thriving with all this downtime. Yeah, no, that's really good to hear. Like, um, I think, yeah, creativity, a lot more people have a bit more time on their hands to kind of get creative with things they might have not had time for in the past. So that's great. Yeah, it's really, really good. For people that don't know, how would you describe a room of one's own? Yeah. Okay. So uh, just as a baseline, A Room of One's Own is a global feminist creative platform dedicated to publishing content that's written by women for women. That's just kind of like our elevator pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And so where did the idea come from, you know? Yeah. So I started A Room of One's Own because I have a background in writing myself. I um I have two English degrees. I've done a lot of blogging. I've written for UNICEF, for example, for Student Minds, the UK's leading mental health student mental health charity. And I've written for a variety of university publications as well. And so one of those publications was Uni News. And it was, it was so awesome because Uni News's mission was to connect universities across the UK and invite them to support students by providing them with a safe space to write about anything. It was a platform for lists and lifestyle articles and opinion pieces and whatever you wanted. And it was so positive and inclusive. And it offered a lot of opportunities to build your portfolio and your CV. And it really got students engaged because it was competitive. You know, they offered prizes and Blogger of the Month awards. And it was fun and it was a learning opportunity. So it gave you an opportunity to create outside of the stuff you have to do for university. Um, so people really loved it. And I was the editor for the Southampton branch of Uni News. And I just had so much fun with it. Like I really loved recruiting writers and brainstorming prompts. And 
the Muni News went under due to financial reasons, and it was over before I really had much of a chance to do anything with it. And so I, I was gutted, and a lot of our writers were really disappointed, and loads of contributors were left without a home for the content they wanted to create. And at the time, a lot of my writers were looking to me like, are you going to set up your own publication? You know, do you know where else we can go? And at the time, I just sort of directed everyone back to more localized publications, like if your uni has a magazine or something. And I thought it would just be so demanding for me to try to start a publication. Like, there's no way I could do that. And so I just sort of let that leadership and editorial part of myself fade. And I kept working as a contributor for lots of other publications for a while. And then I started thinking about a lot of the blogs that really inspire me that I enjoy reading, and especially some of these really brilliant female-driven creative platforms. And some of them just started out, you know, as one girl on a laptop. And I thought, you know, why couldn't I do that? Yeah. Why couldn't I create an inclusive space that isn't predicated on affiliation with certain university or writing about a certain topic? You know, what if I could combine everything I love about all these other platforms and the best practices I've learned from working with them and just create a platform that unites women all around the world. So I just kind of threw out a suggestion on Facebook and Instagram, just asking, you know, if I did this, would anybody be into it? And I got an overwhelming 50 responses in an hour. Oh, amazing. So that is a super long-winded way of explaining how we got started. Wow, wow. So yeah, you've been writing for a really long time then. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, you started um, out with uni students um and I think yeah it's so important to help like give young people a voice um that must have been rewarding for you when you were doing that yeah I, I realized that was my favorite thing when I was working with uni news was I would get these messages from people I'd never met some final years some first years just coming into uni and trying to get started with things and like hey can I write something can I do this and people I felt like were looking for a way to see if their voice mattered if there was a space for them. And I loved how rewarding it felt to say, yes, your voice does matter. Go do things. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's so great that, yeah, you helped them out. And yeah, it's a shame to hear that um, with the funding and everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's great that you started your own thing. Um, and how's it all been going so far? It's honestly so, so surprisingly well. You know, I, I think it's so easy to feel like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not that big of a deal. I don't know that many people, you know, people wouldn't get too engaged with this. And I am stunned because of as, as of right now, we have 112 contributors. Um, we went live on May 1st. Oh, wow. <laughs> Short time then. Yeah. Yeah, we are just kind of growing by leaps and bounds. And I, I was really surprised because at first I thought, you know, maybe it would just be some, you know, some kids I know from uni or some friends who would want to get involved. But it, it has really been growing and I'm constantly getting questions from new writers of like, hey, is it okay to tell my mom? Is it okay to tell my friend? Is it okay to throw this opportunity out to them? And it's it's really self-promoting. Like I haven't, shockingly, I haven't had to do much about it. The contributors are doing so much themselves. So it, it is just really shockingly growing. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> Oh, that's great to hear. Like, I'm really glad that it's been growing so fast. And yeah, it seems like maybe due to lockdown and everything, there are more creatives coming out and reaching out to you. I have a bit more spare time now. So. Yeah, yeah. One of our bloggers actually wrote a great piece about that, asking, you know, are you creating more in quarantine? Are you using this as a time to, you know, where you can, where mental health and circumstances will allow 
are you using this time to flourish? And people have really gotten so excited about that. Like, yes, how can I create more? Yeah. And so you uh, focus on writing stuff for women. Yes. Yeah. So is this different to what you did with the unis then? Was that mixed? And now you're focusing on, you know, uh, women and yeah, absolutely. Because of course, you know, most of the uni publications are like by students for students. And I don't know, I just, I've been so inspired by a lot of female driven creative platforms that I've really wanted to create something like that myself, something that create that unites women around the world. And I feel like I have a, I have kind of a unique perspective in that, in that I'm from the US originally and moved to the UK for school. So I know women on both sides of the pond. And, you know, it's, it would be impossible really to drive some of the contributors I know in the U.S. to U.K. publications or vice versa. So I see all of these amazing women just kind of riding out into the void, you know, posting a poem they wrote on Instagram without really having a home for it or a way to say it's published. And it just made, looking at all that just made me wonder, you know, what if I could give that a home? What if I could say Yes, you you know you've been published. Your voice matters. This is a safe space for women specifically. Yeah, that's, I totally agree. And the name "A Room of One's Own." Well, it says that, doesn't it? I think yeah. female voices a space. Absolutely, it's from the. Um, you're one of the first people who's noticed that. Actually, it's from <laughs> a wolf quote uh, saying that if a woman wants to write, she needs a little money, privacy, and a room of her own. And that's exactly what I thought. I was like, you know, you have so many forces out there that are seeking to devalue female voices, to not allow women into the conversation. And I see so many, so many girls that just starting uni or who are in high school and they have a lot of opinions. They have a lot of talent. They want to speak out. So I wanted to give them this foundation and say, yes, we do need that room of one's own and this is it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a great name. And yeah, it's great that you are giving women a space uh, for these type of things. Um, are there specific topics that you tend to focus on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and I keep getting I keep getting that question from people like, what do we have to write about? You know, is there anything specific that it needs to focus on? And what I'm really loving is the diversity of the platform, honestly. it's It can be about anything. You know, I want to hear lifestyle articles, opinion pieces. We have a thriving poetry and creative writing section. Um, so really, what I keep telling contributors is if it matters to you, it matters to us. Yeah. So I wouldn't say we have like a specific type of thing that we focus on. Um, but it is really neat to see the issues that matter to our contributors. A lot of it, obviously, at the moment has to do with the pandemic, um, as does everything on the news right now. But a lot, aside from that, people focus a lot on personal experiences, um, environmental issues, women's issues mental health is our I guess one of our biggest themes yeah so a mix of things and you were talking about the contributors um and you said you were a contributor yourself before um so do you think yes from your experience it's important to let people speak about what they want to speak about as you said you have a range of topics yeah absolutely um I think one thing that's really really important to me is just a spirit of complete and total inclusivity. And that's what I really hope people take away from us. Um, because I've connected like with a lot of talented women who say, you know, I know that there are other publications out there, but they're intimidating. Or, you know, they have a certain require certain experience requirement, or they want you to have a portfolio. 
or to write about a certain topic specifically, and I'm just new and scared. And so that's one thing that I've really wanted to say is like taking that experience as a contributor myself and putting that into the blog as a founder and saying, I know how that feels. I want to create that wholesome space for you. Yeah, and you can totally relate to it. Um, That's great. You're creating a safe space where people feel comfortable to talk about what they think matters to them. Exactly. Taking it back a bit further, how did you discover you loved writing yourself? Oh, wow. Oh, that's, how much time do you have? Okay. <laughs> um, I was one of those obnoxious kids who was writing stories from like the age of four verbally first. So I just kind of followed people around and told stories until they told me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I learned to put pen to paper. And from there, it was, you know, early writing contests, library competitions, spelling bees. That was that was my whole thing. And the funny thing is, you know, despite growing up in the Bible Belt of Southern America, which is not known as a breeding ground for feminism at all, um, my parents were very supportive and very encouraging. And I got the message so early on, your voice matters. If you want to create, if you have a story to tell, you deserve to do that. And so I just, I felt like I had so much creative freedom as a kid and it motivated me to write, to speak out, to keep going. And then from there, I uh, actually graduated high school at the age of 16 and started university then. Wow. So I did, <laughs> uh, did two degrees uh, concurrently at that time, graduated by the time I was 18, moved on and did an English literature degree again to third one. Then moved to the UK for my MA and pursued Victorian literature and gender studies. So my entire educational background, my personal background, all of that has really been centered around writing my whole life. Wow, yeah, it seems like you've yeah dedicated a lot of time to writing then. And it's <sighs> something that seems like really important to you. Um, is Was writing like a big part of your family as well? Did you have any... No, not necessarily. Um, my mother's focus with, is music. Uh, she's a stay-at-home mom, but her background is piano. My dad's an engineer. So very, very different backgrounds. Um, but they did love books. And even if neither of them wrote specifically, they both love books and they both encouraged me to read. And I think getting involved with books that meant something to me motivated me to want to tell my own story and write the stories that I wanted to read. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. My mum is a massive book like yeah. person yeah. and always trying to get me to read. So I'm going to get into it a bit more now. Um, but it is something you, some people are just really into reading, aren't they? And just, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a different perspective. And that's like that's a really good point that you touch on. I've had a lot of people say, you know, I don't I don't read much now or I don't write much now because I feel like you need to like drilled it out of me. And that's one thing I've noticed um, very much is that I think the pressure to read, to write, to sometimes we forget it can be creative and fun. Sometimes it's become, become something that we have to do that we don't want to do. And so it's always been really important to me to volunteer with libraries, to connect with other people and say it's really about consuming content that matters to you, whether you're reading it or writing it. You know, I, I don't want it to be a chore for people. I want it to be something fun. Yeah, I totally agree. Like when I actually started reading books on topics I was really interested in, I couldn't stop turning the page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, the funny thing is as well, I I've encountered this a bit with the blog. 
I came from a very elitist background as far as education because my parents told me my entire life, you know, TV will rot your brain, movies will rot your brain, you know, do something with a book that's imaginative and actually uses your brain. And so I developed this very elitist idea of media studies as a kid. And it wasn't really until I hit university that that started to be dismantled for me as I started to realize how interesting it is to engage with visual stories. And I think that like that transformation kind of influenced my ideas about inclusivity and about expanding academia and expanding our understanding of reading. Um, and so I ultimately, in a big surprise for myself and for a lot of people who knew me, I did my MA dissertation on American Horror Story. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I cannot watch. I watched a couple episodes of that, but I'm way too scared. So. <laughs> I, I'm still surprised I managed to do it. I'm the biggest, I, I, I'm so sensitive to jump scares. It's horrible. Like my dad can literally come around the corner and tell me, okay, I'm going to jump out and scare you. I'll be like, okay. And I will still <laughs> scream every time. <laughs> so I, I don't know how I managed to do it either. But, but yeah, you know, people do tend to devalue things like watching TV or reading magazines. And if you think about it, we're really engaging with material all the time, whether it's something official like reading or writing or not. And we need to be more aware of that. And that's, we're actually introducing a new entertainment section to a room of one's own, thanks to one of our contributors who was like, you know, hey, what about music reviews and TV? And I was like, yes, please do. Please bring more of that in. Yeah, because yeah, free writing, yeah, it can be creative as well. Um, And as you said, some of the best films come from book adaptations. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's so much you can do with it, writing, reading. It's all, um, yeah, arts and creativity. It can be interlinked together, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't have to. I've had a lot of people who knew me and knew me to be very serious about education and academia. And I've had people say, you know, oh, I, I don't think I would be a good fit for the blog because I'm probably not as much of a serious academic as you and it was like no that's no that is not our vibe at all like that's really not the theme of the blog at all it's really so much more about what speaks to you like opinion pieces personal reflections creative writing it's not predicated on serious engagement with things that's the thing like with blogs you can be informal or as formal as you want to be people like connecting with like real uh, people and voices on blogs Exactly. Like, obviously, critical analysis of a TV show or a book is fantastic, but I definitely want people to know that this doesn't have to be a super formal, stuffy kind of thing. Yeah. And with uh, blogging, did you ever do, like, printed stuff or has it always been online? Um, yes and no. Um, I, was the, I was the editor for uh, the University of Southampton's Postgraduate Humanities Journal. And so that is a print thing. A copy of it is in the British Library, actually. Um, so, you know, we've, we've definitely done print things. I've definitely worked with universities that have print magazines and have my stuff featured in actual print books. So, yeah, definitely. But I do like I do like the accessibility of online work and I love how it's connecting people globally. Yeah, it's so accessible. Like there's a blog on anything yeah. you want to read. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think that's it creates an interesting conundrum, really, because like we have so much stuff out there that then you have people saying, oh, you know, but there's something about everything. Why does my voice matter? Why do I need to contribute to that? And that's one thing I've really wanted to challenge is to say, you know, that accessibility is freeing. 
It's amazing that we have something out there about everything that everybody can weigh in. That's awesome. And you deserve to do that too. Yeah. And sometimes I guess it can make you feel more comfortable knowing like, oh, there's so many people doing it. I may as well give it a go. Um, Exactly. All eyes are on you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you're doing something totally new and everybody's watching you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you go about, you know, with the contributors? Do they approach you then or? Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I did, um, I ended up connecting with a lot of people I knew from Uni News. That was the biggest thing. Um, People from different universities across the UK who were suddenly without a home or a platform for their content. Um, So I spoke with them first. It's like, hey, we're getting this started. You want to come? Yeah. And then I worked with a few other people who, as I mentioned, you know, I've known some really talented women who haven't felt comfortable with other publications, um, people who have said, you know, I reached out to this or that publication and they never got back to me or they weren't very friendly or the, or feel that some publications are very cliquish and in that they only tend to promote certain writers who have connections with the founder or a huge social media presence. And I've experienced all those things myself in the blogging world. Like it's, you know, it's really hurtful and disheartening to feel like you poured your heart and soul into this content and then people brush you off in favor of somebody who's going to get them more views. Yeah. So I would say one of my first, my my first port of call really was reaching out to other women I knew who felt that same way. People who felt like they didn't have a home for their content or were intimidated. And so I wanted to reach out and say, hey, this is your safe space, you know, come join us. And so that was kind of my first branch of people that I reached out to, these displaced writers and uni news writers and friends of mine, of course. I think being an English student, I know a lot of people who are interested in writing in one form or another. So that was really neat. Um, But it started out with just kind of like a baseline of these 50 girls that I was talking to and people I knew from school that I was friends with, etc. And then it just kind of grew from there. They started telling their friends, they started telling their family, their friends told other friends, and it just kept growing. Um, I also really love reaching out to people on Instagram. I follow a lot of poetry accounts, author accounts. And, you know, as I said before, you see these amazing women just kind of writing into the void and throwing it out on Instagram, like, maybe somebody will read this, hope this resonates with someone. And those people are clearly looking for people to engage with their content and appreciate what they're pouring their hearts into. So I love messaging these poetry accounts and being like, Hey, I love this specific poem. I love your style. You're so talented. Would you love to come be over here with us? And I haven't had anybody who has been like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, That's wonderful. Yeah. And you're, it's interesting to see like the different, the way it has evolved. Um, yeah, like with social media, being able to reach out to people um, from what they put up. Because um, it sounds like from what you were saying, it's quite a tough industry to break into but, um, yeah. the formal way. But it's so good that, yeah, you can find people out there that are just like hoping someone will pick up their work. Yeah, I've been I've been so thrilled. And I, um, I love official emails. I think that's one thing I miss about Uni News. Like I love the officialness of everything. Um, but this doesn't really feel official to me. It feels like my little pet passion project. And so it makes me so happy. The other day I got an official email like with the subject heading interest in contributing to a room of one's own. And I was like, oh, you think we're a thing? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's been really, really great. It's We've had quite a few people message us like as our Instagram 
following is growing a little bit and poetry accounts are sharing what we're doing. Uh, and that's the big thing, really, like our contributors sharing their work on their own social media. That's what's really increasing awareness. And then, you know, instead of me reaching out to people, people are starting to come to us, which is really incredible. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So as I was saying, like when you were um, a contributor yourself, did you find it quite tricky to, as you said, approach uh, people? Yeah, it was it, it was definitely interesting. Um <laughs> I feel like that's created a couple of unique conundrums for budding writers. You know, my parents and my teachers, when I was growing up, I got this impression of, you know, you matter, your voice matters, you should go for anything. And I remember being so stunned when I would reach out and not hear back or not get a very friendly response. And it was just kind of surprising of like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it was kind of disheartening. Um, so I, I had that happen and it, it didn't really set me back much. It kind of inspired me to go create my own thing and do something new to combat that attitude. But I've seen a lot of other writers who have gotten really disheartened by that. Of like, oh, I guess my voice doesn't matter. I guess I shouldn't bother contributing. Um, so yeah, to your point, I do feel like it's a very hard industry to break into and that it's, it can be really crushing for a lot of writers because writing is so personal to us, like even in an academic sense. I'm sure you, like so many people, remember like any little bit of critical feedback you got on an essay in school. <laughs> you take it so personally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so sad. And like, I still remember so many things from like high school. I'm being so hurt. It's like, yeah, I tried. <laughs> that's my story. <laughs> yeah, that's my soul on that page. You can say that. <laughs> Um, so that's definitely something that really bothered me. And that's obviously not what genuine support or inclusion looks like. And I really want to make it clear that that attitude has no place in my publication. So like every time a contributor reaches out or a, like a new contributor comes to pitch an idea or a current contributor asks about a question or something, I make an effort to answer every message myself and personalize it so that I am engaging with that specific girl. Like I, I never want anybody to feel like they're getting a flat or a template response from me. You know, I want every single person who reaches out to me to feel like I am so, so excited about them. And I probably end up scaring them away because every time anybody messages, I come back with like 15 exclamation marks and gifts of like, I'm so happy to have you. And they probably want to run. But <laughs> that's so good. Like you're enthusiastic about it. And um, yeah, it's so approachable because as you said, from your own experiences, maybe in the past um you can relate and yeah you know how um amazing it probably feels to get your work like approved and yeah I think that's one celebrated thing. yeah yeah definitely that's one thing that's really important to me because I think writing and validation go hand in hand you know sometimes we put out applications that's one thing I've done like I've put out applications for official established publications because I want that validation of knowing oh I had to apply and I got in they thought I was good enough and that's one thing that's been at the heart of a room of one's own is this feeling of you know when when do we say it matters because I say it matters yeah. not because a review board said it matters not because I passed a test you know when do we say I say it matters and so that's definitely one thing I've wanted to do here is to reach out to any girl who messages me, any girl who wants to contribute and say, you matter. I believe in you. I'm so excited about you. So yeah. definitely. Amazing. And I guess, yeah, when you were younger, that would have been something that you would have loved as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, definitely that that ethos of, you know, how how would you want to be treated as a contributor? What would mean something to you? So that's what I try to pour into it. Like I said, I probably make people want to run for the hills, but at the very least, they feel welcome. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, and well, yeah, with that approach, I guess, yeah, you'll have people like, coming back and talking about you and being like, wow, Alyssa was so approachable. And yeah. Yeah, that's what I hope. I've had um, I've had so many messages from contributors saying afterwards, like, this is such an encouraging community. Everybody's so nice. I'm so happy to be part of this. And it's, it makes me do a little happy dance every time because that's what I want people to take away from this. Like, I want them to feel like people are nice here. People are encouraging here. Yeah, and it makes it all worth it. Absolutely. So do you still write yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually have a mile-long list of topics I want to cover for the blog. Um, But one thing that's really important to me is, you know, you you see a lot of publications, like I said, that sometimes they exist more to give the founder a platform of their own, or it's geared toward people who will get you the most views. And I never, ever want that to be the thing with a room of one's own. So if I have content, I publish mine last I go ahead and promote everybody else's stuff first and kind of tack mine in there as an afterthought so people know that this platform is really centered around them, not me. But yeah, definitely. I do still definitely still write for the blog. I contribute for a few other publications, like I'm on the editorial board of Student Minds. Um, but I'm also working full time and I'll also be starting my PhD in September. Wow. <laughs> busy, busy. <laughs> a bit. So yeah, but it's one thing that I'm really surprised by is that as many ideas as I have, as much as I want to write myself, I'm stunned that my contributions are kind of just a drop in the bucket. Like our contributors are really leading the way in terms of how much content they're putting out. And I love, I really love the ones that are like me. I have a couple who were like, I'm so excited to have this platform. I'm going to write 15 pieces right now. And I was like, just (laughs) me every time I was on a new publication board. (laughs) So it makes me so happy. Well, that's great to see like, yeah, you have a lot of content and yeah, you're able to still contribute to it yourself. Um, And what you were saying about you're doing a PhD soon and you're working full time. Um, How do you find balancing both? Uh, It is it is definitely tough, Um, especially with mental health and everything. I'm a abuse and trauma survivor. And so that's creates a lot of mental health struggles sometimes makes it hard to manage time or respond very quickly. Um, So it is definitely a learning curve. But my aim is to my aim is to get everything done as best I can and still let contributors know that like even if it takes me a little bit to get back to them, they are super important to me. Um, But at the moment what I'm doing is doing my day job, you know, throughout most of the day and then working on the blog at night and on the weekends. And so that's currently my schedule. Um, once I transition to PhD, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you know, it may be that, that, especially as we're growing so quickly, it may be that I need to form an editorial team later on to kind of help balance out all the work. I'm going to try to do it myself as long as I can, but we'll see. Yeah, just taking it as it comes. Yeah. And with what you're saying um, in terms of mental health, do you? I've spoken to some other people that see writing and blog writing as a way of relaxation or um, to help with their mental health. Um, it gives them an escapism as well. Um, do you find that this is true for yourself? Absolutely. It's it's kind of funny because my 
job involves writing as well, but it's in a more professional content developing sort of sense. So it doesn't really feel like me at all. It feels very much feels very much like work. Uh, it can be very tiresome. Um, I'm usually I'm a content developer for a company called Quick Read. So I read books and summarize them, basically writing smaller books so that people who don't have a lot of time to read can get those key insights from popular books and take them with them, like in a quick commute on the train or something. Um, my average, an average work day for me involves writing 9,000 words for, or three books for work each day. So it's funny because that part is very stressful and that does not feel like relaxing at all. But as soon as I get to anything related to the blog or writing an opinion piece myself, it doesn't feel like work at all. It does feel very relaxing and very much like an escape. Um, so it's, it's always interesting to me to see how that divide works because when I'm at work, I feel very disconnected from myself and my identity as far as writing is concerned. But as soon as I'm working on something for myself or for the blog, it instantly transitions into a feeling of like, ah, oh, that's right. Like, <laughs> In your element. Yes. Yeah. It's such a breath of fresh air. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel stressful at all. Nothing about the blog feels like work. So that's really, really good. But yeah, definitely as far as mental health, I write a lot about my abuse and trauma, and that has been very cathartic. Um, one thing I've been really pleased to see is that the things I've written about that have connected with other women, and it's that's also sort of been an indirect way of getting contributors. People have seen what I've written and said, oh, wow, that's incredible. I want to write my story too. Can I do that on your platform? So that's been really good. Um, but I've had a few people also read my story and say they want to publish theirs on the blog, but can they do it anonymously? And that's something we are super, super supportive of. Um, you know, I'm I'm willing to speak out now and kind of put my name to it and talk about what I went through, but I'm really loving the opportunity to tell people, yes, you can still share your story, even if you're not ready to put your name on it right now. Yeah, that's amazing. You're giving women that safe space to... Yes let their feelings out but you know keep it private if they want to you know exactly like it's about as much you know for the people who want to say yay I got published here's my piece you know it's as much about giving credit to those people as it is to say you have your space to speak out and still feel safe if you want to be anonymous yeah and it's yeah it's, it must it might have um really good benefits for their mental health as well just to get it out there you know absolutely that's definitely one part of the power of writing absolutely yeah, well, thank you. Um, and what would you say are your two top tips to start writing? Ooh, well, obviously, um, shameless plug, come write for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, quite quite frankly, for me and for a lot of the contributors, it really seems to be about just latching onto an issue that's important to you. And it doesn't have to follow a certain style. You know, a lot of people think, oh, it needs to sound really polished or it needs to sound really professional it really doesn't. It just needs to sound like you. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're not the next best-selling author. If it matters to you and you're putting your words out there on paper, that matters. So don't be afraid to write. Don't be afraid to put something down. Your voice matters. Your perspective matters. And we are here to support it. Oh, I love that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, that's so important. Yeah, I think, um, if you don't know, I like make uh, films. And yeah. I think it's so important from my side, giving people a voice. I like documentaries and yes. yeah, even giving myself a voice to, you know, say a certain thing on a topic, you know? 
that's su- that's such a valuable perspective. You're still showcasing stories and perspectives that deserve a platform. It's just in a different medium, and that's so cool. Like I love how visual representation shows us those things. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, everyone can, has something that they can use to put their voice out there, whether that's through writing or any other medium, music, you know. Art. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've had some contributors talk about like just the most basic things, you know, just talking about like whether they prefer learning at home to physically going back to school or, you know, how they feel about fast fashion and the impact on the environment. And it's just those topics are so important because they they mean something to the contributor. They're sharing that perspective. And exactly like you said, everybody has that story. Every Even if it's a small thing, it matters to you. And that's that's worth representing. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and last question, which I have to find out, what is your favorite book? <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, that's so hard. I mean, can you say that? <laughs> um, so I'm reading so many things. I'm, I'm always reading like at least a couple of books a week. I tend to go through two or three in a week and it's so hard to wow. pick a favorite. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite book, but I did have the opportunity to interview my favorite author, Araminta Hall, which was pretty awesome. Um, She's a best-selling UK author, and she wrote this amazing feminist thriller, Our Kind of Cruelty, which, if not my favorite book, is definitely on my list of my top reads. Um, But I got to interview her, and that was was really incredible. but I, so that's it's high on my list. But I guess if I had to pick an absolute favorite, I would say The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. I haven't read it. Uh, oh, you'll, you'll have to read it. I am physically incapable of shutting up about it. Um, the short, short version is it's a 19th century text, which was written in response to the hysteria diagnosis that existed at that time. Um, I picked it up once for a writing fellowship in 2017 and I still have not shut up about it in 2020. Um, Basically the the short premise of that is hysteria was a diagnosis that existed in the 19th century to say if women have any desire for equality or to speak out or to put pen to paper and express themselves they're crazy. That's the GLDR version. Um, Super fun. And it resulted in a lot of uh, forced sterilizations, forced clitoridectomies, and my personal favorite, which I've devoted a lot of research to, uh, was the rest cure, which was pioneered by this horrible man named Silas Weir Mitchell, whose idea was if a woman wanted to write or express herself through art, she needed to be permanently put to bed and deprived of any kind of mental stimulation, no reading, no writing, no interaction with other people. You did not get out of the bed. You basically lay there devoid of stimulation until your brain and your body atrophied. Wow, that's terrible. It is. And hysteria as a diagnosis was actually not removed from medical texts until the 1960s. Wow. So too Um, long. Yeah. So I I think that book is very important because it was written in direct response to a man saying, you don't deserve to contribute. You're crazy if you want to join the conversation. Your perspective doesn't matter. And that view of women and the way it has pervaded our society today and our understanding of women joining the cultural conversation, that is kind of at the heart of my research as a feminist and gender studies scholar. 
So I guess I would say that's my favorite book in the sense that it drives so much of what is important to me as an academic. Yeah, and that's yeah. even more why a room of one's own is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I view it as my response to the opposition that is out there trying to silence women's voices. So definitely the yellow wallpaper and anything by Virginia Woolf really is at the heart of that. Amazing. Well, thank you for the recommendation. Now, not free time, I should definitely, yeah, read it. It's a short story. That's actually, I should mention that it's only about 25 pages. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for the recommendations. And, you know, where can people find you? Yeah. Um, so we are on Instagram as at a room of one zone. Um, and we are obviously the website is a room of one zone.com. Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram at Alyssa Caroline writes. So always happy to meet new people, chat to new people. We want readers just as much as we want writers. So yeah, if you just want to give me a message and say, hi, I would love that. I will scare you away with too many exclamation marks. yeah thank you so much for having me oh thank you so much for coming on it's been such a pleasure to speak to you and learn about what you do um it's amazing and yeah i can't wait to see where it goes thank you i'm so excited to work with you what you do is incredible and it is such an honor to be on here thank you